Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. How much the United States spends on its military is always a sticking point in Congress. A vibrant and heated debate on the House and Senate floor and in the media around this topic is a sure thing. And unfortunately, every time we have these debates, the same time-worn arguments are trotted out in an attempt to slash the Pentagon's budget. Let me, let me tell you something. The United States of America is the most powerful nation on Earth. Period. Period. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's not even close. We spend more on our military than the next eight nations combined. Do we have to spend more money on defense than the next 10 countries combined when children in America go hungry, when veterans sleep out on the street, when we are the only major country that does not guarantee health care to all people. I say no. According to the Peter G. Peterson Foundation, the United States already spends more on defense than Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, India, France, United Kingdom, and Japan combined. News broke this week that the Pentagon had apparently suppressed a report that indicated that it had wasted at least $125 billion. And that might be a conservative estimate. In the Fox 17 Waste Watch tonight, the Pentagon spends billions of your tax dollars on ammunition it can't use. And now taxpayers are on the hook for another billion dollars to destroy it. You mentioned the Navy, for example, and that we have fewer ships than we did in 1916. Well, Governor, we also have fewer horses and bayonets. Because the nature of our military has changed. We have these things called aircraft carriers where planes land on them. We have these ships that go underwater, nuclear submarines. And so the question is not uh, a game of battleship where we're counting ships. It's, it's what are our capabilities. These arguments raise eyebrows. They create hesitation and stir emotion. And that's exactly what they're intended to do. But guess what? They aren't facts. They're talking points and a twisted narrative used time and time again by the left. So today, we're going to break down the five deadly myths of defense spending. Lieutenant General Thomas Spohr serves as director of Heritage's Center for National Defense and wrote an awesome op-ed that inspired today's episode. Prior to joining Heritage, Spohr served for over 36 years in the United States Army. He's an expert on national defense policy and strategy and has testified before Congress on defense strategy, budgets, and equipment modernization. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks. Okay, so let's walk through some of these myths. Let's start with number one. And I think this is the one that I hear the most everywhere. I'm really looking forward to hearing how you can flip this over The U.S. spends more on defense than the next seven countries combined. Yeah. So first off, it's really an illogical argument. Every country spends what it needs to do to protect its national interests. So our comparison to other countries like Morocco or Russia or China, 
really is meaningless. It's really the strategy you aspire to execute. And in that case, uh, the United States aspires to execute a global strategy. So our needs are different from other countries. But let's put that aside for a moment. Let's talk about this. What we get for our currency versus what China gets for a unit of their currency is vastly different. And so China can pay their laborers much less the United States uh, chooses to pay labor. And so for their unit of currency, they get so much more. And so when you compare the United States, for example, with China and their defense budgets, what they get for their defense budget is vastly more than what the United States gets for its defense budget. So what I'm seeing in my head is this very famous Peterson Foundation chart. They redo it each year, and it shows seven nations' defense spending in one bar next to the United States spending in another bar. And the U.S. far exceeds theirs combined. So what would it really look like when you adjust it for purchasing power parity? And what exactly is that? Yeah, exactly. So purchasing power parity is what it takes to buy an internationally defined basket of goods. So you think about a shopping basket, that's kind of what we're talking about. Although it's not groceries, it's fuel, it's steel, it's all those kinds of things. When you take purchasing power parity into consideration, the United States spends about as much as China and Russia do combined. That's very different than the famous chart. I will put the chart in our show notes for any of our listeners who want to see it. And then I'll also link to the report where you and one of our colleagues, Rachel Zizmos, also has um, our version of that chart. Sounds good. So essentially, um, they can get more for their dollar, their currency, than what we can get for ours. Yeah, exactly. And they also invest in different things. So where the United States invests in precision munitions in order to minimize civilian casualties, Russia and China share no such compunction. So they they buy what we call dumb bombs, which you can get many more dumb bombs uh, for their unit of currency. Uh, but And so they don't worry about civilian casualties, whereas the United States puts itself to a higher standard. Costs us more, uh, but we believe it's the right thing to do. Okay, myth number two. We're spending more on defense than any other time in our history. Yeah, and so uh, uh, just at a straight dollar uh, amount that there is some validity to that claim. But what you need to look at is the percentage of the federal budget. And at the, of the percentage of the federal budget, we are spending less now than we have in our, ever in our history. We're only at 14.8% of the federal budget goes for defense. And that we were up as high as 30%, maybe only uh, decades ago. And so we have come way down. Uh, the defense budget, like everything else in the discretionary side of federal government, is really being pressured by entitlement spending. So essentially you're saying we're spending more on everything. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, that's why yeah, the, the spending. Ba- the bathtub is, is the level in the bathtub's going up. Unfortunately, defense spending is getting pressured by all the other elements of the federal budget. All right. Myth number three. The Pentagon wouldn't need any more money if they would just cut out all waste. Yeah, I love that argument. And so people talk about the the $500 hammer or the $1,000 toilet seat, and they say, hey, these are if the Pentagon could just reform its evil ways, uh, we wouldn't need to give them another penny. And just like any other organization, yes, the Pentagon could become more efficient. Uh, it could be more effective in its spending ways. But, but the amount of money they need to get right to rebuild the military is nowhere near the 1% or 2 or even 3% uh, savings they could achieve if they implemented all the most efficient buying practices in the world. Myth four, 
With all the technological advances at our disposal, we no longer need as big of a military. Yeah, I, I love that one. And so that a lot of people say, hey, you know, we don't need as many ships, Navy ships, for example, because the ships we have today are so much more advanced than the ones we've had even, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. And yes, our ships are more advanced. Unfortunately, all the other navies of the world ships are more advanced too. So it's we're just maintaining parity essentially, and in some cases, falling behind other nations. So it, you'd like to think that our stuff is getting better, but everybody else's stuff is getting better. And, and a, a second part of that argument is presence. Sometimes, even though your stuff is really advanced, if it's not there, if it's not off the coast, or if you don't have a, a soldier at a key place, you don't have that presence. And so while your stuff may be more advanced, there is a quality of numbers that sometimes quality can't replace. Wouldn't you think also that more advanced technology is also going to cost more and the manpower to develop that technology is going to take longer. So it's going to cost more on both ends. Yeah. And so that's kind of the reason, you know, that where dollars are going up the defense budget and you don't get vastly that much more. And so if you were to compare a vehicle like the Jeep of World War II with the vehicle that our soldiers, for example, drive around in today, it's called the Joint Light Tactical Vehicle, JLTV. It's almost incredible. It's almost like a spaceship, but it's got three or four radios in it. It's got armor. It's got jammers. It's got four-wheel drive. It's got all kinds of things that we never would have conceived of in World War II. We'll be right back with our final myth and the conclusion of our conversation with General Spohr right after this short break. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? Then subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court. Myth five, defense spending is a drain on the economy. Yeah, and so, you know, most of the trade in the world flows by sea. And the United States, more than any other country in this world, relies on global trade, you know, for its economy. And so the money we spend on defense keeps these passages open, these sea lines of communication and so without the military to assure the passage through some tough spots like off the coast of Somalia or through the various gulfs and passages, you know, trade would be stifled and the U.S. economy would be the most hurt. And so, in fact, where people think it's a drain on the economy, it's actually, you know, the key enabler of the U.S. economy. So the debate over defense spending seems to be even more of a sticking point now that President Trump has asked to ramp up spending. I've heard your colleagues at Heritage talk about defense spending going through peaks of fear and valleys of apathy. Can you explain to me a little bit more about what that means? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the the defense budget is very cyclical. So if you zoom back and look at it over a hundred year period, we have peaks and valleys, especially uh, associated with wars, although there was a peak in the 1980s associated with the defense buildup under President Reagan, did not have a war associated with it. And to some degree, we are still riding the benefits of that defense buildup with all the equipment that was procured uh, for the U.S. military. Um, People will, you know, kind of alter the facts as they need to in order to get what they want. And so, you know, our government, uh, our political system depends on people making the best arguments. People will make arguments that defense is fine that we should turn our attention to other elements of federal spending. Uh, I, I just want to make sure that people have all the facts at hand before they make decisions like that. So essentially, 
in the 1980s when there were, you know, fears of Russia and nuclear war threats, people were scared. And so they were willing to let Reagan do the buildup he did in the 1980s. And since then, we haven't really had that same type of fear. We've been more apathetic, wanting to move on, bumping up entitlement spending, and now relying on the equipment that we used yeah, in the so, 80s. I mean, we have some modernization programs, but they're nowhere near the size and quantity they were under President Reagan. And the other thing that uh, has happened, Michelle, is that the war on terror, the 15 or 18 years that we have spent in uh, the Middle East, really caused us to focus our equipment programs on now what looks like the wrong kinds of stuff. So we we bought a lot of equipment that was exquisitely useful for fighting terrorists, like drones and armor-protected vehicles. And now with the invasion uh, by Russia of the Ukraine and uh, we have China pushing out aggressively against its neighbors, we find that we're ill-equipped for these great power competition again. General, one last question you titled the commentary in which we're having this conversation based off of the five deadly myths of defense spending. Why are they deadly? Yeah, and so this just isn't an academic uh, discussion we're having here. If we get this wrong, if we don't fund our military correctly, people have a chance of dying. They can die as a result of accidents because the equipment they had was not safe and it was pushed past the time when it should have been used. Or even worse, it, we could find ourselves in a future conflict outgunned by an adversary because we don't have the right equipment. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Heritage Explains. If you have a topic you'd like us to dive into further, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at managingeditor at heritage.org. Tim will be back next week with a new episode. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher with editing by Thalia Rampersad.